I'm Daria Rose, and this is The Foodist Podcast, where real people use real food to get healthy and lose weight without dieting. Hey, everyone. Welcome to The Foodist Podcast. I'm Daria Rose, and today I'm talking to a success story. Uh, Sarah is a mother of two young children. She has a three-year-old and a one-year-old, and she wanted to share her story because as I'm sure you know, um, being a new mother is very difficult in and of itself, but it's especially difficult to find time to attend to your own health style. And after her first baby, Sarah pretty much ignored her health style. (laughs) Um, But after her second baby, she took a different approach and changed her mindset around what it means to care for herself. And it's a really cool story. I know this, this is something that that a lot of moms struggle with, sort of finding that time and that energy for self-care. And Sarah has some really great framing and perspective on that. She takes it very slowly. She starts simply, and she's really focused on what she sort of needs to be a good mom and to, to have the energy for you know her own self in order to do everything that she needs to do for her kids. And um, there's a lot of really good insights in here. I And and even for people who <laughs> aren't moms, there's a part in the episode where we talk about cooking and um, you know she, some of her advice on how to find the time and energy to get dinner on the table is brilliant. I mean, whether you have kids or not, like she's really, really got a lot of little mental tricks that she has just sort of worked out that work for her and get get her over the hump. Because I mean, at the end of the day, what's really hard about health behaviors in general is like, we know they're important. You know, they're important. You care, you want to do it. You're motivated. It's just, there's usually some barrier that's just like, like it just makes it feel impossible. But more often than not, that barrier can come down really, really easily. And once you sort of figure out what what can do that for you, getting the rest of the way to the finish line is not that hard. And Sarah has a lot of great little tips and tricks for that, especially applicable to new moms. So give the episode a listen and come and let us know what you think at Summer Tomato. This episode is brought to you by ButcherBox. Did you know that 97% of the beef for sale in the U.S. is grain-fed and processed in feedlots? Because of the crowded and often filthy conditions, these cattle are fed antibiotics to help prevent the spread of disease. It's also terrible for the environment. That's why, personally, I only eat meat that is grass-fed and humanely raised. Unfortunately, 100% grass-fed and humanely raised meat can be pretty hard to find, and that is why I love ButcherBox. ButcherBox sources the best meat from all over the world and delivers it directly to your door. They guarantee that the beef is 100% grass-fed and grass-finished and never taken from feedlots. All their products, including their chicken and pork, which is especially hard to find uh, good quality pork, uh, are free of antibiotics and hormones. Plus, all their animals are humanely raised and enjoy free range. With ButcherBox, you have the peace of mind that you're eating healthy meat that is good for your body and responsibly raised. Order today and get $10 off plus some free bacon in your first box. Go to butcherbox.com slash foodist and enter the promo code tomato. And I can tell you from experience, their bacon is to die for, like super, super stellar. You'll also get free shipping in the continental United States and fabulous step-by-step recipes with every box. 
If you've been following my work for a while, you know how rarely it is that I promote products. That's because I only share things with you that I personally believe in and use. ButcherBox is one of those rare unicorns, and I'm thrilled to be able to share them with you today. Again, to sign up, go to butcherbox.com slash foodist and enter the promo code tomato to receive $10 off and free bacon in your first box. Hey, Sarah, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Welcome to the show. So you... uh, wrote to me something that I'm super intrigued about. <laughs> um, you've had success in in your health style uh, after having two kids, right? Yeah. Yeah. I have um I have a three year old and I have a one year old. And I don't I don't have any children myself, but I talk to a lot of people who do. And I know that sort of the whole idea of baby weight is a thing. And also just generally, uh, I know women have a, a lot of difficulty around finding the time and energy and even motivation for self-care with two young children. I mean, or just any number of young children, because there's just so much competing needs. <laughs> like there's just so many needs. And obviously like time and limited resources are a factor. And and so it just becomes this constant problem. And and I hear from so many people and they're always and I feel bad because, you know, obviously a lot of the advice I give is scientific based, but you know, the science can't tell you what it's like to have like a two-year-old puking on you while you're like like doing stuff. So um, I have, and since I don't have firsthand experience, I have very limited ability to to give people guidance on these subjects. I could, I tell people how I would think about the problem, but it's not necessarily like practical for people. So, but it sounds like you have been able to find a, a way through this. So I am very much looking forward to hearing your story. It's so tough when you're pregnant, at least for me, it was such an overwhelming experience. Like it's really hard on your body. I would get really faint if I didn't eat frequently enough and I'd get really starving. And it just felt so, so out of control. And the only advice I got, which I've heard other moms get is from like their doctors or other like people in their wellness life was just like, do not overeat. Like you just, you have to, you know, eat low carb or just be really careful about your food choices and just this huge pressure to like not make the wrong choice. I'm surprised by that. So your doctor said don't overeat? My doctor said don't overeat. And she actually, when I was pregnant with my first kid, um, I gained like, I gained like 40 pounds in my first pregnancy. And she told me, you know, like you're getting too much weight and, um, you know, you just have to, you can't overeat and don't eat a lot of carbs. And she said, you know, it'll be really hard to lose the weight after the pregnancy. And so what I did in response to that, which is, is not healthy is I would just, I had, um, I would have my appointments in the morning before I went to work. And so I would just not eat before the appointment. Cause you get weighed at every appointment. So I would not eat and then I would get weighed. And then after the appointment, I would go have French toast because I was starving so like that's not a recommendation. And then after I had the baby, I um, I went to see her and she was like, oh, you're so skinny. And like, A, I wasn't skinny and B, like I wasn't fat before. So I just felt like that whole 
dynamic was, uh, it made me really mad. (laughs) And so for the second baby, I just was really, what I learned from the first baby was that it was really difficult for me to not gain weight in my pregnancy, but it was not really difficult for me to lose weight after the pregnancy and not by like starving myself or anything radical or any great diet, but just having my body back again and being able to like walk easily and walk with my baby and eat without that feeling of like, if I don't eat, I'm going to fall over and I can't eat sushi. And, you know, like just without all the rules and all the constraints and all the like feeling of hunger all the time, it was just such an easier way for me to lose weight. So I just decided for the second baby, I was like, I'm not going to worry about weight gain. I went to a doctor that didn't mention it and kind of the same thing. And, you know, I gained a fair amount of weight, I guess like 45 pounds in the second pregnancy. And then, but then I had sort of the same experience afterwards, which was that it was such a relief to not be pregnant. And it's such a relief to be able to eat more like carefully and like with more calm about it that I just really enjoyed that. Okay. So are you saying that like being when you were pregnant, you felt a, if you felt like a lot of pressure to eat a specific way and B, you had very limited ability to do that because your body was like screaming at you to do what it needed. Yeah, exactly. And so you found that when you, after having the babies, it, your body felt kind of felt normal again. And also you, you know, you had the baby and so you could, you could move and you could, you could make healthy food choices again. And it wasn't such a, it wasn't such a struggle. Exactly. And every woman has kind of, <laughs> there, there are parts that are different and differently hard for each person. So I don't know what like works in broad terms, but for at some point after I had my second baby, I guess just recently I realized like I've really changed my relationship to food and my body. And I think it's really in line with foodist and sort of mindful eating, but also just having a much more peaceful relationship and exploratory relationship with like food and exercise. Can you give me an idea of what you mean? Right after I had the baby, I had a toddler, I had this little baby and I realized like I need to go for like a half an hour walk every day to just maintain my sanity. So I wasn't like worried about um, like what I was eating or like running or doing anything like particularly um, strenuous. I just started when my husband came home from work, I would just go for a walk for a half an hour. So just by yourself, just by myself or just to get a little break. Yeah. And just to like get fresh air, just, do these yeah yeah exactly just to get out of the house do these calming things and then a few months later I realized like I'm not starving anymore and so I can just like I can just like taper back like how much I'm eating and how frequently I'm eating and just seeing where I actually get hungry and where I'm actually not hungry you know where I just have gotten used to eating like a certain quantity of food at like short intervals of time during my pregnancy and right after when I was still hungry, like when I had a newborn and just like seeing where, like, instead of two eggs for breakfast, I eat one egg for breakfast instead of eating every three hours, eating every four hours and just kind of seeing what felt comfortable. And just doing that, I slowly 
lost the weight that I had gained in the pregnancy and kind of tapered to like a rate where I'm losing weight, like very slowly and which is fine, but like feeling very comfortable about how I'm losing it and um, the rate that it's happening. Cool. So I have a lot of questions. So, um, so it sounds so it sounds like you started and was this you said this was after your second pregnancy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That you sort of started taking this different approach. So you said the first thing that you realized was that you needed for sanity a walk after your husband got home, uh, just a, a half hour walk. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm curious, like for instance, I I talk to a lot of mothers who find it difficult to take a break like that. Either they feel guilty or they don't think it's logistically feasible or something like that. And I'm wondering how you were able to recognize that that was something you needed and have the courage to take it, take the stand and, and say, you know, this is a priority and I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Part of it is like a credit to my partner who's like, yes, please go for a walk. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's his own self-interest too. That's actually a really good point. I mean, like, like that's a, a way you can frame it. Like, cause sometimes, I mean, most, if anybody's a new mom, like, <laughs> like, uh, like there's a good chance that their husbands want to be supportive. Yeah. So that's a way you can, you can, um, ask for help. It's true. It's true. And, and even going for a walk, like with a, a little baby is, that's not particularly stressful. That's kind of pleasant. I would just try to go for a walk. And even after bedtime, I think the other thing I decided was it didn't like I spent so many years reading like fitness and wellness articles about like the optimum time to exercise and, you know, eat carbs before you exercise and protein after you exercise. And I decided that I just did not care. Um, (laughs) Within the course of 24 hours, I would probably eat carbs and I would probably eat protein. And the exercise I was doing is not Olympic training. So is fine. So you were able to re- relax the r- rules that, yeah, it's, I feel like they, they give you rules. Like w- when you're health conscious, and I, I hear this a lot, and, and but this is sort of a new way of framing it. Like, yeah, it's almost like there's these sort of like, almost like common sense, not common sense, but they're like common wisdom or whatever that they give you as like things you're supposed to do. And like, I feel like every generation has theirs, you know, for health. It's like, yeah, eat this, don't eat those, you know, exercise at this time, get this, drink this much water, get this much sleep. And we sort of internalize those as if we're not doing this, then we're not doing it right. And if we're not doing it right, then we're bad or we're failing or something like that. And as you're pointing out, like that mentality is not helpful. <laughs> Because, I mean, it's like, I feel like it's well-intentioned advice, but at the, on, on the other hand, it's like, not, not every, it's not like a one size fits all type situation. And it can be really, really liberating to drop that stuff. Right. And I always think of that, like the perfect is the enemy of the good, where like, my priority was just to like walk for half an hour. So if I was slightly hungry doing that, like, 30 minutes, right? That's dealable. And it is hard to leave the, it is hard emotionally to leave the house, especially with a newborn. Um, so if you need to walk with a carrier or walk with them in a stroller, like it's, I still find like the combination of fresh air and like movement for me was really, was really helpful. And, and even if that walk happened, like if you put them down for bed at night and it's eight o'clock at night and you go out for a walk, I live in Brooklyn, so like you, that 
is a pretty easy thing to do. That I find really helped me get back in touch with just my body and taking care of myself, you know, and re-becoming a person who owned their body and could take care of their body. It wasn't growing a person inside them or wasn't just like the person who like fed and cleaned other people. <laughs> so I see. I see. So you actually, so for you, this is really important, actually. You chose a tiny habit. You chose to start with a walk, like a, a simple walk, something you knew you could do, something that helped you not just like in theory, but like actually helped you feel better, got you some fresh air, got you some movement. And that little thing was able to help you, empower you, I should say, to reclaim your identity as an individual who also needs care. Completely, completely. Because when you're when you're a mom, you're like you're like the custodian of of not just yourself but another life, and that's like terrifying. And then also, you know, once you're once you're a, actually a mom, you have you know you, you I mean these little things are like totally <laughs> dependent on you. But at the same time, but like that doesn't mean that your whole identity is caregiver. Like you also are a human, like just like your baby, like you're a human too and you need care too. And then, and I think that can be a really hard thing. Like you're saying, like, like kind of like you're saying, like, so you didn't do this during your first pregnancy or after your first pregnancy, right? No, I work from home. And so I started working earlier after my second pregnancy, but more from home. And my husband had paternity leave. It was a much easier transition with my first pregnancy. I went back to work after three months. And so everything was kind of oriented to like figuring out that part, like, you know, getting ramped back up into work, getting baby into childcare, like just a lot of activities. So it felt much more like I didn't have the time to figure it out for myself what I needed. I see. So you were really focused on like the logistics of organizing your life. So you didn't, so like self-care wasn't wasn't sort of top of mind. Exactly. There was, yeah. I mean, I, I love my baby as much as my first baby, but the shock to the system of having a baby was much stronger with a first baby (laughs) (laughs) and like the complete emotional overhaul. So, so to some extent, I think, um, I and the next kid, the second kid benefit from having a mom who's like a little bit less thrown by the whole experience. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Like the been there, done that. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Phenomenon. Exactly. Because with the first kid, like leaving the house by myself, it felt like saying goodbye to someone at an airport. Like it just felt like just this huge space was going to open up between me and this baby as I walked around the block (laughs) 10 times. Um, And with the second kid, like I knew like we will both still be here. This baby will still be here and I will still be here. And and so that's just an emo- that's just like one of those emotional things that uh, was easier the second time around. I'm sure, yeah. But you know, and it's it's really important to recognize though that that's like real. You know, it's like that draw to stay with your baby and care for your baby and be there for your baby and like all that. Like that is that's some like deep primal like evolutionary like powerful stuff. So it's it's very very real and. And I, but you know, and I think that's why it's so important to take the approach that you've taken, which is starting with something super small, 
you know what I mean? Like you didn't like sign up for a marathon or like, <laughs> or like, you know, go on some crazy whole 30 cleanse or something like you, you just were like, I'm going to start eating when it feels right. And like making my portions a little smaller. Cause I don't need them as big anymore. And also I'm going to go for walks. Yeah. It's exactly. pretty chill. <laughs> yeah. It's super chill. It's important not to like understate the like postpartum anxiety that happens. That is like a really real thing. Um, and depending on like what kind of delivery I had like a pretty easy delivery for both babies. Like it all went pretty smoothly. So the recovery time was like, there were a lot of things in my favor. The recovery time was pretty smooth. I was pretty healthy before I was pretty healthy afterwards and the babies were healthy. So all of those things are really, really helpful for, for, um, allowing you to take a chill approach. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure that there are moms who just have, it's yeah. Everybody has to do their own thing. Like if you're, if you're healthy enough to, go for walks and stuff. That's great. But like, yeah, (laughs) at your own pace. Yeah. And I guess the perspective change that happened too, is that like life is like, if all goes well, like there are years ahead to like figure out to lose the pregnancy weight or to like feel comfortable again in your body after a pregnancy. And so I just felt like this expanse of time that I didn't feel like I had to rush to try to do anything too drastic because the day-to-day life is when you have a baby or like a baby and a toddler is just really draining. So I didn't want to add anything that would make it harder or put more pressure on me because I do think there's a lot of pressure for like to go back to work looking like you never had a baby or to, you know, like, or to go to whatever upcoming event and have like bounced back or whatever that is. And I, that's really, um, that's really, that's really tough. So, so part of it was not taking food and everything so personally, and also not taking the way I looked so personally or on like a very strict timeline. I see. So, so what you're saying is that, I mean, this, this makes a lot of sense and it's awesome to, for you to have that perspective, but yeah, one of the things that I think a lot of people do when they go to like, okay, I'm going to lose weight, which I know that a lot of moms do that. Like after they have babies, like, okay, it's time to lose the weight, but they put all this pressure on themselves to do it. Yeah. Like super fast or something, or like, you know, or like, like, like you could do when you were 22 in in college and like (laughs) had no, like your body just cooperated with everything. Um, and it sounds like you, I mean, and, and I don't know, you you can correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe the, uh, having the baby gave you a perspective that like you can have it both ways. It just, you can't do it all at the exact same time. (laughs) Like you can, um, like if you can care, you can care for your family and you can care for your child and, and you can care for yourself, but it doesn't have to be that you're like, you know, spending two hours a day in the gym or even one hour a day in the gym, five days a week when that's just not realistic for you and understanding that like, just because it's not realistic for you doesn't mean you there's nothing to do. Like you can just take a slower approach, which, you know, as anybody who knows my work knows that like, I think that actually works better anyway. <laughs> um, because trying to force weight loss is like one of the most surefire ways to have it fail and then gain extra weight. <laughs> so, um, so I love it. I love it that you like gained this or like you were able to, to channel the perspective that you don't have to fix it overnight. Exactly. And I think I realized that was what I was doing a few months ago. And, and 
I had started reading your blog a few years ago and then I was like, hold on, <laughs> like a few months ago coming out of this podcast, I was like, this feels like something I read about before. And so it was <laughs> great to like come back to, to Summer Tomato and like read through and I was like, oh, this all, this all like resonates and feels like exactly the way I'm thinking, like about the helpful to assist the way I'm, I'm thinking about about things these days. <laughs> I love it. I like I like to think that like I was like subconsciously like sending voodoo your way. Exactly. <laughs> like, just dating over these years. <laughs> but you know, it's funny though because like like so that's possible that's sub- it's possible that you somehow like internalized my messages and just sort of naturally started doing that. Um or but another option is you just discovered this on your own and it just happened to coincide with what I'm have been saying all along because it's what works. Right. <laughs> yeah, either way, it's good, right? <laughs> either way, everyone's a winner. And it's so funny. It's like, I, 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 I love talking to you about this because like, I know this because like, I, and you like, you know this now. And it's funny because like from somebody on the outside who's still sort of in that dieting mentality, it is still so hard to believe it. It is so hard for people to believe that if they like relax and approach things like take things the slow way and like don't freak out and don't restrict really hard and that like they like the default assumption is that that approach either will make them gain weight (laughs) because they're so used to being so strict or it'll not do anything like it's just too little to matter those are sort of two false limiting beliefs that people tend to have around this approach and it's funny like once you've like come to the other side, it just seems so silly, <laughs> but it's like, um, but it's, it's hard to, all I can do is just tell people the stories like yours over and over again and, and hope one day it clicks. Yeah. I mean, and I think there's a lot of distraction too. I actually grew up, my mom had like really, I realize now, um, and I need to tell her she had really good, like food principles, um, that we had like set meals and she always served like a lot of vegetables and we all ate together. And so there were, and she was really careful. She never talked about like her weight or her, or our weight or like dieting. So there was like this, this whole foundation that was like, that, you know, I grew up and I went to college and, you know, whatever, did like low fat, whatever, whatever, moved to New York, did like boot campy, low carby things, right? All these distractions along the way. And, and I think maybe part of like having kids too, and looking at like two girls thinking like, oh, geez, if you could just avoid, (laughs) if you could just avoid like those 15 years, that would be, that would be awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, it's so funny. It's like, you're, you're right. Like I, I definitely attribute a lot of my own like dieting psychosis over the years to my mother, but, and I know a lot of, a lot of my clients do and, and a lot of people do in general. And and our our moms definitely play a role in shaping our minds, but you're right. Like it's out there anyway. Like even if your mom's perfect and even if you're a perfect mom, like kids are going out into the world and and like just absorbing this mentality it's hard to avoid at least in in new york when i moved here like it was the like um soul cycle these like super 
intense workouts like hit training and soul cycle and Barry's boot camps, like these these things were getting really um a lot of momentum. And there was just this expectation that if you were like I was, like a young working professional, that part of what you did as like being a responsible adult was go to these like super intense trainings and be like strict about the food you ate. Like it was just like part of the culture. I think that's still true. I feel like there's a definitely still a, a soul cycle in Barry's boot camp cult in <laughs> New York. Yeah, I'm probably stuck at home too much. And I think there and the some of those like I've done them and they there is something like really fun and invigorating and challenging and like emotionally satisfying. So it's not that those classes are the problem. It's just kind of a mindset change of feeling like you have to do these like punishing things. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's like, yeah, if you love intense exercise and you love like the community of whatever exercise group you're with, or there's lots of good reasons to do those things, to run marathons and do these classes and all that stuff. And if it works for you, that's great. The problem is when it becomes a thing where if you don't do it, you feel like you're failing or nothing besides that level of intensity can actually help. And that's just like, that's just not true. Like, like anything's better than nothing. And cause that's the alter, the alternative is nothing, you know? And it's like when you, when you put yourself in that bind and for whatever reason you can't seem to do the super intense thing, then, then what? Right. And I guess the, like another aha moment recently was like, I started going to the gym again after hanging out with a toddler is like always exercising in like the very least <laughs> stimulating way possible. Like there's no endorphin and no adrenaline because it's like walking very slowly, like picking up toys. <laughs> like you never hit a point where you're like that like runner's high. It's just like, just like a low you level. Just, you just get really tired in a few hours. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, so I, so I hit one of those points where I was like, I need to, like, I need to do something. I need something more challenging. And I went to the gym and was just doing weight training. And I was surprised like how not strong I was because, you know, I like pick up 30 pound kids and I like, I'm fairly active, but I just like through the pregnancy, I didn't do a lot of weight training. So I lost like strength. And so, so it felt really good to start like weight training again and also doing more cardio. But then I, I realized I was getting into that cycle of being like, oh, if I, I can overeat because I, then I can exercise and building this dependency on like going to the gym to manage like whatever feelings I had about what I was eating. And I was like, I need to like, I need to stop. Like, <laughs> that's like not a relationship I can have. Like, I don't want to do like two hours of cardio a, cause I don't have that time. And like, I don't want to be starving the next day. Like that's not that's a cycle that I did, you know, in my twenties. And I don't like, and that, and feeling it happen again and feeling both that like being really hungry the next day after exercising and knowing that like you're more hungry than you could have possibly burned calories. And also that like, that like emotional relationship of, of like eating badly and like working out more to compensate. Like, I was surprised like how close to the surface it was. Like that it's just like, right. Like it's just. Interesting. So yeah. So you found it creeping back like pretty quickly. Yeah. Like, yeah. Within like two weeks. So, so take me through your progression. So you said you started by 
walking. And how many months like postpartum were you at that point? Probably like a month or two. Okay. So pretty soon afterwards. And that was your like little baby step towards self-care. And then what happened next? And then after about three months, I realized like, I'm not hungry the way I was in my pregnancy or the way I was like postpartum. So I just started like tweaking the quantity of food I was eating. So you had just continued eating the same? I think, um, no, I didn't have that same intense hunger. So I like scaled down a little bit, but not like really conscientiously, but I decided to like kind of reset like just think about it and kind of reset. Okay. So you started eating just like more like slightly smaller portions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and did you were you like at this point were you losing weight? Yeah. Um yeah, I lost like a fair amount of weight right after the baby was born and then didn't really lose weight for a couple months and then started slowly losing weight after like 3 or 4 months. Okay. And so then you, you so you changed your eating volume. And, and then at some point you decided you wanted to get back into strength training. Yeah. So after like six or seven months. And you're just going to the gym. Yeah. And so wait, how long has it been at this point? Oh, it's been almost a year. So yeah. And so what does your routine look like now? So exercise wise, I, I do it at night after the kids are in bed, which is like by eight 30 and I either go for a walk for an hour or walk for a half an hour and then do weight training for like half an hour. And that's, that's pretty much it. And I try to do that most days, either walk or do some kind of weight training. Cool. Pretty straightforward. Yeah. Like it feels good to like leave the house and go do something. It doesn't make me like starving or like hungry. I don't feel like I need to like eat before to prep and I don't feel super hungry after. And I usually just go to like, I usually just drink water and go to bed afterwards and then my day starts at like between five and six. Cool. And and do you do you cook? Yeah, I cook. I cook a ton. <laughs> <laughs> I cook a lot. Well, I work from home, so food wise, my husband gets up with the kids and makes them breakfast. And so he has breakfast with them, and then I like get ready, and then I have my breakfast, which is always the same thing, um, which is an egg fried and butter with really buttery toast, and it is like. My favorite meal. Buttery toast is a special thing. It's I find it super satiating and um, yeah, just great. So <laughs> I'm like emotionally and physically, like it's just exactly what I want. So I eat that. And then I usually uh, do like a either like a crock pot meal or I'm roasting like in winter, I roast do like a lot of roast vegetables and then kind of cycle through like various combinations of like some kind of salad, some kind of roast, something, and some kind of meat for dinner. So when my husband gets home, we like we have dinner, all four of us. And I just try to make sure that there's like something on the table that the kids will eat, which is like sweet potatoes or chicken or peas or so, like some kind of something. And so that we all are eating like only the things that are on the table. Um, and then I have leftovers from dinner for for lunch. Perfect. It sounds like a really great system. <laughs> <laughs> it, oh, the other thing I realized is that like dinner is dinner. Breakfast is awesome. Dinner like is not like a really good time. It is not a good time for me to get food into my body because there's just like constantly things being spilled and like 
a lot of jumping up and down and um, whatever, <laughs> chaos. But it's, for some reason, it's very important for me that we all sit down and have a family meal together and that like my three-year-old isn't wandering around being like, I want bananas. So but there's like the socially and family-wise, the family dinner is very important for me. But as a way like of me getting food in, to me, is it's not very good. <laughs> I'm having really funny pictures in my brain of like, just like people like sitting and like peas flying and like someone jumping on the chair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's totally, that's totally accurate. <laughs> um, now, like both kids can stand up in their chairs, which is like so dangerous. That's so terrible. I told my husband, I was like, I think we're just going to say like, you've got to sit and you've got to sit down. Like, for the next year, like, as far as I can tell, it's going to be years that we're just going to say the same things over. (laughs) (laughs) Fine. Um, But after, like, after, like, dinner is, like, it's crazy. We put the kids to bed afterwards. Like, there's a bath, put the kids to bed, clean up. So by, like, eight, that whole ordeal is done. And I kept getting to eight and being, like, so hungry because I hadn't really eaten dinner. And it's been hours and so I realized um I would just in my like clean kitchen I would just get a little bowl of like everything that was for dinner and just eat it by myself quietly and like I and yeah that was it was one of those mindfulness eating moments where I realized like I'm actually not that hungry but this food is also like exactly what I need right now and so I like I can have just like that little portion of dinner for me. Um, it's just, yeah, it's awesome. Cool. So yeah, it sounds like you got just sort of a fraction of your dinner and then you sort of finished off what you needed to feel satisfied later. Exactly. Exactly. And in the quiet, I can like actually listen to my, like, listen to my body and hear my body and understand like what's hungry or not. So I just try dinner not to like shovel food in my mouth in between like everything else that's going on. Got it. And just, just try to like ride the wave of the chaos. As I say, it sounds like you're really good at going with the flow or riding the wave. If it's not a flow and if it's a wave instead. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing is like, I'm, I'm like a really no fun mom. So I don't like, I feed my kids like only food that I would eat. So there's not like kid food in my house. Did you call yourself no fun? Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I think you're the best. (laughs) (laughs) I, my husband, I was telling my husband, I was like, I'm worried we're spoiling our kids. And he was like, they think that raisins are like really, really exciting. Like they are not, (laughs) they're not spoiled, but I just, yeah, I like, they just they can eat like whatever real food that we're eating. Like I don't give them anything I wouldn't eat and, and vice versa. So how did you, I'm curious, like that's, that's alone, like could be a whole episode. So how are you able to have that fortitude? Um, or like, can tell me like, like how did, like, like, did you just have that philosophy going in and you're like, I'm going to just stick with this. And this is like, just how it's going to be in my house. Or was it more organic than that? I think I think that came from my mom, who is like like much more strict than I am. I was also like one of four kids, so like going out to eat was like a big deal. Like we just didn't like get up like 
a lot of like eating out or treats. It also, it felt like a different time. Now there's like so much more food that's so accessible all the time. Yeah. But not eating like a lot of processed foods is just seems important and natural to me and not like a burden to put on anybody. So I just, you know, like sweet potatoes are great. Roasted sweet potatoes are delicious. Like kids think that they're delicious. I think they're delicious. Right. So it didn't seem too challenging, but I also like let like the three-year-old get a croissant if we're like walking around and she's hungry. Like I'm not like super dogmatic about anything. But like at your table, like they just eat, like, it's not like, mommy, I want like Cheerios and you're like, (laughs) whatever. And like, that's not a thing. Uh, I mean, it is, but they also like are bored by me saying no. So she's bored by me saying (laughs) (laughs) So no, no, I like what I meant is it's not a thing that you'll do it. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's really impressive. I mean, I, I know that a lot of moms struggle with that. Like they want their kids to eat. I think the kids wear them down like eventually. And it's impressive that you've been able to stick with that. Um, but it sounds like you've been able to do it by finding real foods and that, like you said, that are easy, like generally likable. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I do all the shopping and the cooking in my house. And sometimes like I just hit a breaking point where I'm like, I can't think of like anything else to make. Like I'm tired of making the same things over and over. And I just am out of like, like it's just too much thinking. And so I tell my husband, like, you need to think of whatever, five things to eat. And he's like, oh, can you make French onion soup? And I was like, oh yeah, I can go online and look up how to make, you know? And so look up how to make French onion soup and then make it. And so that helps. And then also like if, it, if my work day is too crazy or if like the day is too crazy, then we'll totally have sandwiches for dinner or like <laughs> pasta for dinner and doing that, like having that out for me feels like a huge relief that like, Oh my gosh, this is so brilliant. So I, everybody, I want you to listen to this. <laughs> listen, listen up everyone. Um, so this is, critical. And, and I talk about this a little bit in my, my food is kitchen program, but one of, this is like such a thing. And it happens to me too. Sometimes the hardest part about making dinner is just deciding what to make, just the decision. And I do exactly what you do. And that is if I'm like, I don't mind cooking. I really don't want to go out. Like I really don't want to eat crappy takeout or like delivery. Like I, I want to eat home cooked food. I don't mind cooking it please tell me what you want to eat and just like, I'll go buy it and cook it. Like just pick something. Like, and I just have my husband, I'm like, just tell me, give me a place to start some inspiration. And you know, it's funny because sometimes those are some of our best dinners sometimes. Yeah. I made this, like the French onion soup was so tasty. I was like, Like, I would have never thought of it. And it's like, it's just like a huge amount of onions, some butter and some beef stock. Like it's delicious. Um, yeah. And yeah. and I think like that's also a mom thing is that there've been like studies about this but like women end up doing like a lot of the like planning and thinking in the in like the division of household labor. And so like it just gets really overwhelming to like constantly have an inventory of like what is all the food we have and what do people eat and what are we about to run out of and what do we have yesterday and totally. you know and and that, like, I think that's it for me when it feels really hard is when I just hit a wall where I think like, I can't 
these are too many things for me to have in my head. I can't be creative on top of that and think of Right, like, right, exactly. Yeah, no, and I think, you know, I think it's really like for the person in the household that is the main person who makes these decisions, one of the best things you can do is just literally just ask your partner like and have a conversation about it. Cause like half the time, like even just like one word from something can get, can make it so that you think of something yourself. Like it doesn't necessarily be that like they come up with some epic dinner idea, but like just having just, just asking for an idea or asking for help and, and just like having a conversation together can be like, can just make the whole thing so much easier. It breaks down basically it takes a huge barrier for like getting dinner on the table and like cuts it in half. It's crazy. Totally. And, and then I also love what you said before of like just having a few like, this is so easy. I can't mess it up. And like, we're still eating at home together, like meals that you have in your back pocket, like sandwiches, pasta, just whatever's the easy thing for you. I think that's also like critical, like mission critical. You need those. <laughs> yeah. And for not to, and that, that, like you talk about like food moralizing to not like be too hung up on like what it means, you know? Yeah, no, it's fine. It's like, it, it's not every day. It's, it's when you're at your, when you're done on <laughs> your ropes dead, <laughs> like at your wits end and you're like, there's nothing left in this bucket. <laughs> like <laughs> you're getting sandwiches or like you're having a cheese plate for dinner get over it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, Amazing. Yeah. The like, just like pragmatically, what I do is I also um, I prep most of the food in the afternoon, so I take like a half hour break from working and like chop everything up and get everything ready in the oven, so that uh, I go and pick up my older daughter and and we don't have to spend the afternoon of like me trying to cook and have like two little kids around. I can just like turn on the oven and have it cook and that and I usually have a couple things that she can like help me with in quotes because she likes doing like stirring things or dumping like pouring things so having like she can help make the salad dressing or something like that so having like a little thing that she can do but like 75 percent of the prep work is it's done. done that's brilliant and you do it and, and it only takes half an hour because there aren't kids around exactly exactly Brilliant, brilliant. Well, I think um, you should probably start your own website. <laughs> this worked for me very specifically. <laughs> I, I just I feel so much for new moms. Like it's like I just have like a real soft spot. So I I don't know. I don't want anyone to feel bad <laughs> about about figuring out like the little tricks because there are whole months that like I just feel like we're just coasting through (laughs) so I don't know yeah it's hard and so I take it that's why you wanted to come on the show and share your story yeah yeah I encourage new moms (laughs) (laughs) all is not lost do not abandon hope you who enter here exactly don't listen to your doctors. <laughs> no, I don't mean that. But, but you know, I had a friend who was like super pregnant in summer and her doctor told her not to eat watermelon because she should avoid all fruit. And I just thought like, wow, to avoid gaining weight. I just thought like, that is 
cruel. It's like, just cruel. Ugh. That is cruel. Wow. All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Um, this was really enlightening. And I know that other moms out there will... Well, first, I hope nobody feels guilty that they haven't figured everything out yet. <laughs> we should state that. But also that there's hope. Like You don't have to be perfect. You can go slow at your own pace. And you can start with one little tiny walk around the block and find your way from there. Yeah, totally. And thanks so much. I really, I really love this podcast. And I am so glad to have like come back to um, your blog. It's really, it's really great. I'm so happy to be a resource for you. I, 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 this is why I, I do these things. So thank you. And yeah, good luck with everything. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by ButcherBox. Did you know that 97% of the beef for sale in the U.S. is grain-fed and processed in feedlots? Because of the crowded and often filthy conditions, these cattle are fed antibiotics to help prevent the spread of disease. It's also terrible for the environment. That's why, personally, I only eat meat that is grass-fed and humanely raised. Unfortunately, 100% grass-fed and humanely raised meat can be pretty hard to find, and that is why I love ButcherBox. ButcherBox sources the best meat from all over the world and delivers it directly to your door. They guarantee that the beef is 100% grass-fed and grass-finished and never taken from feedlots. All their products, including their chicken and pork, which is especially hard to find uh, good quality pork, uh, are free of antibiotics and hormones. Plus, all their animals are humanely raised and enjoy free range. With ButcherBox, you have the peace of mind that you're eating healthy meat that is good for your body and responsibly raised. Order today and get $10 off plus some free bacon in your first box. Go to butcherbox.com slash foodist and enter the promo code tomato. And I can tell you from experience, their bacon is to die for, like super, super stellar. You'll also get free shipping in the continental United States and fabulous step-by-step -step recipes with every box. If you've been following my work for a while, you know how rarely it is that I promote products. That's because I only share things with you that I personally believe in and use. ButcherBox is one of those rare unicorns, and I'm thrilled to be able to share them with you today. Again, to sign up, go to butcherbox.com foodist and enter the promo code tomato to receive $10 off and free bacon in your first box. Thanks for listening to the Foodist Podcast. I'm Daria Rose, and if you're interested in upgrading your own health style, learning how to get healthy and lose weight without dieting and without all of the suffering that it brings, then head over to my website, Summer Tomato, and sign up for my weekly newsletter. When you sign up, you'll get a free starter kit that'll teach you the basics of how to start changing the way you think about food, health, and weight loss. You'll also get a free chapter from my book, Foodist, called The Myth of Willpower that explains the science behind why the no pain, no gain mantra of the weight loss industry is the absolute worst approach to getting healthy. So come over to Summer Tomato and sign up. We have a fantastic community and we would love, love, love to have you. Thanks for listening and I will see you next time.